exactly. <gasps> I heard a, a, the sound of a child in the from the basement. I think. Don't have a child. <gasps> Excellent. All right, I'm going to go set up my kid, uh, probably with a cult book or toy. So, uh, and I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm lousy advancements myself. I'm, I have stopped right, right now. I'm more like. I have been more like, yeah, you know, you should have an advancement now, <laughs> something like that. Let's let's take uh, seven step in constructing a scenario because I think it ties in well with with uh, the commandments. All right, my fellow cultists uh, and everyone else uh, not able to uh, join us tonight. Uh, today you find yourselves. Um, equals for we are all equally blessed for i have the pride the privilege nay the pleasure of introducing to you a writer among writers a writer who has been writing for a while peter nalo thank you thank you this sounds like an intro to some an old monty python sketch i want <laughs> I thought it might oh, be nice. I don't know. Amazing, this amazing entertainer and was just dragged on and then you hear like, he couldn't come. <laughs> and, um, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it's very nice to be here in this dark Swedish night. Lights. It's not that dark. Like I, I just, no, no. As usual, it's not as dark. It's not winter, then it's dark, always. <laughs> Darkness, endless. So, so yeah, today we are talking about the seven steps on writing a scenario. Uh, previously, we talked about the seven commandments of cult and what you should keep in mind. And But this is kind of more of a, you want to write for cult, you should listen to this because there's some great advice and, and great steps on how to have this complete, amazing scenario that you can brag to your friends about and uh, take to conventions and stuff. So this, these seven steps really in constructing or building a scenario or building scenarios like in the style of Oakwood Heights or Island of the Dead or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and this is not a checklist that you need to do in order. So it's not like you need to step with, start with step one or step two and step three. I would say that you can start anywhere and you would probably work on all the steps simultaneously. Because I, I have never worked with like a project like I'm doing one by one. And what sparks the imagination and sort of the seed for the scenario can be anything and start anywhere. So I would say that the first step when you are uh, building a scenario for cult as a game master, I call it concept and setting. Try to come up with a concept. And the concept uh, is really what is the scenario about? Mm -hmm. The setting is when and where. So if you have like Oakwood Heights, of course, crime scene investigation in Detroit, 2015, Island of the Dead, survival horror on a tropical island, some year, I don't remember exactly. Uh, the dinner, La Cena, La Cena? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, 19, family dinner with a lot of trauma, 1960s Miami. And that, that is really the, 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 the concept and the setting. And these almost see them as like two uh, lists next to each other and you sort of can scroll through them and try to combine them. Because if you take like Island of the Dead and you change the tropical island to Antarctica or mm -hmm. the desert, 
what would it how would it change the scenario what characters would be in the scenario if Oakwood Heights would be like a crime scene investigation on Antarctic on some base uh, and just by playing around with like concepts and locations and settings you can sort of yeah. really discover new stuff so so um, if you take Oakwood Heights and say like I want a crime scene investigation and you place it in like 1794 in Vienna it's a or in Venice, it's like ah, oh, this would be like uh, the canals and masks and and then like flintlock weapons and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's very very different. So, but but try to figure out like the concept and the setting, and 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 see like what is the scenario about. I mean, uh, Oakwood Heights was set in Detroit. What were you? What was important about Detroit, uh, kind of during the modern era that was. I guess beneficial to the scenario as a whole. Uh, I think that Detroit it could have looked very different depending on what town I put it in. Mm-hmm. Detroit sort of fascinated we, me with uh, the sort of the urban decay, uh, the area Oakwood Heights. It has a cool name. Yeah, <laughs> pictures of it online where you had those small homes, and be- behind them you see, see the petroleum plants that sort of rising up. And you had Sug Island, which is like, if you look at it from Google Maps, it's like completely black. It's like rusted industries and coals and old coal ships. It looks like another world. And it's sort of yeah. in the middle of Detroit. So, so uh, and I felt that the sort of fall of, of Franklin Mills and, and, and the, the decay of the city sort of merged in a way. So I think it was just an, an, a fascinating setting. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, from very early on, I think that Detroit was sort of the core place of the scenario before I even knew. I was just looking at the map and like, oh, Oakwood Heights. That's a cool name. And that's, <laughs> what, that's why the scenario is called Oakwood Heights. Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to make it into a crime scene investigation because I mm-hmm. knew I wanted to make a railroaded scenario. But very early on, I knew I wanted to use Detroit. Because it's a, it's a city that had, uh, at that time, it hadn't been used in that many books, role-playing game books that I had read, at least. That, too, is the scenario theme. Uh, the theme is sort of what, what is the underlying theme of the scenario? What is the scenario really about? Mm-hmm. And I think the theme is good to know because it keeps you aligned when you're creating the story. It's sort of that it aligns your ideas and thoughts. When you are sort of making decisions, you can always lean back to what, like, okay, what is the... What is the theme of the scenarios? If you have like the theme rebellion or revolution. Yeah. Okay, revolution is the theme. Okay, how should this character be framed? What should the location be here? So so the theme is something that you have like in the background that sort of like flow should flow through everything. It doesn't need to flow through exactly everything because then it might be like too extreme. So it's like, you know, I think it's always tricky when you are sort of the theme should be there, but should, if you push a sort of agenda too hard, mm-hmm. like, it, it can sort of it, it can ruin the scenario. I, I think a, a good example, perhaps not thematically, but okay, I think it's thematically. And some people might be upset, but sometimes there are these like Christian movies. Mm-hmm. Movies. I did watch one with Nicolas Cage. He was an airline, 
airline pilot and a lot of people disappeared and it was like the end of the world. Oh, and I think it was left behind. Yes, left behind, exactly. And I know it's a book series of that yep, as yep. well. It could have been an interesting concept, but mm. theme was so pushed so hard. It was always like Christ, and then it was a monologue about like, oh, Jesus and all that. So it sort of destroyed the whole enjoyment. Yeah. The purpose was not really to make any good movie. It was like, ah, oh, preach about Jesus. And if you are making a scenario where it's sort of preaching about something, you should really tone it down to sort of mm -hmm. be there, but it shouldn't be like overtake the, the plot. Yeah, so it's, it's I mean, price. it's a fly of flavor. Yeah, if you've seen uh, The Lighthouse, the black and white one with Robert Patterson and William Dafoe, uh, you can kind of see the theme of it without them ever saying uh, anything uh, regarding the theme of it. It's just insanity on and, and isolation and loneliness and just kind of uh, that whole aspect. But like they, they never preach or anything like that. And but you, you know it and you see it and you can definitely feel it. And, no, but that, then it's then it's perfect, and I think that it it's good when you can sort of discuss the theme as well. I, I sometimes even have something behind the theme that I have some an overarching concept, and then their concept may, themes may stream from that concept. But I never mention what the concept is. They are just it's just there for me to know. So when I write things, I sort of oh, it's, it's this. <laughs> so, I, I, one thing that for me at least. I often never know what the theme is when I start writing. Mm. That is something that always comes after a while when I have sort of realized. When did you realize, I mean, first, what do you think is a theme for Oakwood Heights? And second, when did you realize that that was possibly the theme? Um, the theme for Oakwood, I actually, they're written in the, in the, in the scenario. I, I, I spelled them out. Yeah. Perhaps they are not the best themes, actually. Uh, the, but the two themes are, uh, in a broad sense, like the relationships, dysfunctional relationships between a parent and children. That sort of goes through all the characters in one way yeah. or another. And, and then it's also affirmation to be looked at, to be sort of appreciated. Uh, and that also goes through this, all the characters sort of wants to be sort of have this like approvement. Uh, and be liked and uh, I guess it's like you can tie it to the relationship with parents as well that you want to be loved and cared for yeah. and, seen. and that's very much tied to Frank and Mill's story as well so, so so it's really about like dysfunctional family relationships in a way I just would want to say that about mm -hmm. themes before I go to that some of the higher powers almost have themes of themselves like and Satariel has the power of uh, uh, the principle of exclusion. And when you have add that to the scenario, it sort of merges in with the theme. But step number three, it's the plot. It's sort of what is the story about? Uh, and again, Oakwood Heights, well, uh, the plot of Oakwood Heights is really, it's about Franklin Mills, who tries to flee from his fate, which is to be taken by a Nephrite, after his death. That's sort of the plot. He tries to... Mm -hmm. His fate. And he does horrible things to do it. And then the players undo everything by mistake. <laughs> La Sena is a, is a family in, in, in uh, Miami that longs for their lost son. Uh, and they have a lot of sort of longings and, and, and um, broken feelings. And that sort of creates a dream creature that comes to visit them. 
Uh, Atrocity Exhibition is about a woman who seeks to escape death and tries to resurrect her old lover that can give her immortality. So that's the plot. And the plot is not really something that the player characters might know about, especially yeah. not winning. So much of the plot can be backstory. And it's almost like you have a slider on a time scale where it's like, where would we put this, where we play this? So, I mean, you could take Oakwood yeah. Heights and plot and like be like, hmm, perhaps this should be like, yeah, Martha Mills, when she was alive, she was put on a mental hospital. Perhaps we should have a scenario when you play like other inmates on the mental hospital meets Martha Mills and you realize that, oh, she's in connection with something. She's weird. It's a different scenario, but you can sort of still use the timeline. So, so that's the plot. Figure out what is the, what is the plot and the backstory of the scenario. Number four, a very simple step on paper, but it's really what part of the mythology is involved. If you just have a story and it's not ties into the cult mythology, I guess you can make a cult story without any supernatural things at all. But then it's like, yes, add a sum of it. Is it a higher power involved? What kind of creatures? What makes this scenario cult and not random horror? So that's a short and easy step in a way. Yeah, but it sounds like you definitely at least have to look through the mythos uh, and figure out how exactly the mythos, kind of going back to the Ten Commandments, interacts with your scenario so that it's just not, there's a scary monster or this is just a mundane, uh, I mean, in the case of the driver, like just a mundane like uh, ride through the, the hills. Yeah, except that you might have a bayonet that is smeared with blood that have special powers, who knows, in the driver. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that, yes, and, and um, first of all, it's seven commandments and not ten. You are too biblical here. I know, right? I keep like going right back to it. <laughs> yeah, but I know. I, I guess the ten commandments has sort of a bigger impact in the world than the seven commandments of cult. And yeah, I think that the, the higher powers are something that often is involved because what principles are involved in the scenario? And often you can sort of see that in the scenario, like, oh, this should probably be uh, Kether or it should probably be Satariel or something like that. So when you are building the scenario, you might, and you don't have to decide this from the beginning either. It's like something like, hmm, perhaps it should be the children of the underworld or yeah discovery yeah and especially kind of going back to the the blind leading the blind uh, on the uh, the other video it's you, you can pretty much write a scenario and look through the cult book and and figure out what would the the supernatural element be within this scenario because there's between all of the the themes and concepts of the the uh the angels uh and, and archons and such you're gonna find someone uh, who would definitely be a part of, of your adventure. Yeah, yeah. You, and you can create things in many ways. You can make very different kind of creatures or stuff. So you can do a lot of things on your own. But as long as it feels cult and tied to the mythology, I think it works. Step number five. five. Yes. <laughs> this is a bigger step than step number four. It is the player characters. Uh, I think that role-playing games in many ways are, are different than movies, books, and TV. In movies and books and TV and all other media, it's so obvious that the characters in those stories are tied to the stories. 
Yeah, they are. They're integral to the stories. They they are about these characters. Um, in many role playing games, you have like a story in a scenario, and then the players have made their characters, and they just like throw them in there, and they are not at all connected to the story as such. They're just moving through the story and like doing stuff. Again, Call of Cthulhu is like the best. You you need library use. Yeah, Egyptian uh, hieroglyphs and uh, credit rating, and what your name is and who you are is completely pointless. We don't even want to know. Go out and see if you play the mask of Nero Lothotep and see how many times you die. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it is. Um, so, so, um, but in cult, since it's so focused on the characters, it doesn't really work. And in this kind of scenario, you can really go two two steps. You can um, Either you, as a game master for the scenario, write the characters completely mm-hmm. by yourself, tie them to the to the scenario, like in Oakwood Heights, where you're like, "Here is your character," or pick one, uh, or you can make let the player create characters after very specific rules. Um, mm-hmm. So you can say like, "You should have these abilities. You should be sleeper characters. These archetypes are not okay." And there are, for example, in the upcoming scenario, it started and ended with Screams by Matthew Dawkins. The whole first part is a character creation. You don't use anything of the core rules. It's like, do these steps, assign the attributes, choose advantage, what kind of character are you? Because it's so tied to the scenario in itself. So experiment with that. And, And here I think you as a game master should really play around with the rules when you're building a scenario. Don't care anything about the archetypes and like how many advantages, disadvantages. Do whatever you want. What feels right for the scenario? You can come up with new advantages. You can, you know, tweak things. Um, so shape them to the scenario. I would say. Yeah. But 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 keep the player characters aligned with the scenario you're creating. I also would say that remember to give the player characters motivations so when you give a when you give a finish you know a pre-made character a player can see like oh this is what my character wants to do this is what my character is interested in that can sort of trigger scenes with other characters give them a direction so you don't get a character and it's like oh i don't i don't know what <laughs> I don't to do know it. Uh, another advice also when you're creating player characters if it's not intentional avoid creating a main character uh, by mistake, because it's a very common thing uh, to to uh, like. I have this plot, and then it's like the character that is the chosen one, or or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. and then it's like everything sort of centers around the character, and the other characters are just like hangarounds. And um, and I mean it can work, especially, but then it should be intentional. But I think it's good to sort of spread it out so all characters have part of the plot and they have something to do and they have a sort of a direction yeah so it's not like oh i have like this this center character and everything sort of the player for that character needs to do everything right so that the story moves along and the other ones are just like yeah we're hanging along yeah but i think this is something that is super common i remember we played um mike michael and gunilla who first mm-hmm. called, they, they created a scenario for for gothcon Mm-hmm. And they also had what I would say is the same problem. It was like, yeah, but everything is about this character. If if this goes to sort of a player that doesn't really play this character that way, the whole scenario will fall apart. Mm-hmm. So 
and, and I have done it myself, like sometimes like, and then I realize, oh shit, it's like everything <laughs> is focused on this character. Oh. And the last thing about player characters is that make sure the characters are tied to the theme and to the plot. Because there is a magic that happens when sort of the player characters work with the inner logic of the scenario. So you have made a scenario and the player character sort of moves with the, the scenario without force. Yeah. And this is also, it sounds like I'm bashing Call of Cthulhu and I'm not because I, I, I play it a lot and I like yeah. it. But we, we love Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's like, yeah, you're an investigator and you have investigated something in London. Oh, and it's some strange cult. Okay, right. Oh, you need to go to Egypt. Okay, but I have my life in London. Ah, no, but let's go to Egypt. Yeah. Okay, we, we read about that strange cult, but isn't that a bit far? And the players will, of course, do it because otherwise it's no game. Yeah. If you can make it logical that, yes, everything tells us, I, I really want to go to Egypt and the, the players want it themselves. Mm -hmm. then you have this perfect um, alignment. You don't really force it. And, and you can see this in movies as well, when you know, the screenwriter like, this is the plot. And then the characters should follow the plot. And you're like, but the character motivations, how are they aligning with this? Why are they going here? I would say this is the hardest part. Character motivation and make them go into the right direction without making it feel forced. Super hard. But... The inner logic of the scenario will win a lot if you go that way. This is actually something that is brought up in the upcoming book Beyond Darkness and Madness, um, where we sort of set uh, different kinds of threats and horror. Mm -hmm. And you can have the horror on the very sort of the, inside the character, the, what the character struggles with, what's, what's inside you. And then you can have the horror on the level that is sort of in your, your surroundings, the world, your, your, your uh, you know, your relationships, the small community that you live in, and then you can have the horror in the world. You know, it's like the big corporation or the yeah. something outside your, your sphere. I, I mean, a, a good character has sort of a good story sort of might tie every, you have both internal horror you have in your, your, your society and you have the sort of the world. And perhaps it even moves closer to things that start in the world, comes closer to your society than it affects you. Or if it's it, that's from inside may sort of pop up in your that's a typical cult thing oh my yeah. manifests and it sort of destroys my relationships and then sort of the world starts to be corrupted it also tells us sort of what kind of stories you can tell because characters that only have like threats in the big big world it's only corporations and don't really have any in their personal life and don't really have an outer sort of relationships or a normal life and families they are like characters like Ethan Hunt, James Bond, yeah. and Fast and the Furious guys. So the only <laughs> things that can affect them are the big things in the world. So they always need to go, go to exotic locations. Because if you have drama about the characters, it can take place in a cabin. And it will be just as effective. But mm -hmm. if you have like James Bond in a cabin and nothing happens, it's pretty like... I think there is actually a, um, a reason why a lot of, sort of the epic movies are far away from... It's not so much about who they are and what they feel and their inner... It might be on the surface like, oh, I have a drinking problem. And then it's like forgotten in the next scene. Yeah. Here is the step that will be the largest amount of text in the scenario. This step is called paint the world. 
and this is like the scenes, the locations, the, non the characters, and if we imagine the, the, the world and the scenarios are like a blank piece of paper, mm -hmm. each, each of these things is a hub on the paper. Like you, like this is like the ship at Saga Island is a hub. The, the, the house at South Waring Street is a hub. Uh, Martha Mills is a hub. Every sort of text that has a headline almost is a hub on that, mm -hmm. on that paper. And, and uh, the, the players will navigate through these hubs. That's really the scenario. So I guess a dungeon scenario is a good similarity. There you move from room to room, and here you move from hub to hub, but it's just that the dressing is different. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, sometimes you need to reach a hub so you can unlock or discover a new hub. But this is what you are writing. In the Oakwood Heights, I said, some, some hubs would be like the ship, the house, and all that. Here you really want to make the hub stand out and be memorable. For example, if you, I, I made a, in the beginning of Oakwood Heights, I, I made, um, first it took place in a house, and then the end scene took place in another house. And I realized it becomes super confusing if it's two houses. <coughs> so I moved it to a ship, just because to try to sort of, in the player's mind, um, become different. Try to make those hubs memorable. And here again, try to make the character motivation lead them to these hubs mm -hmm. uh, and, and remember the scenario themes to the hubs. So this is like creating all the hubs, all the parts in the scenario. And in these hubs, you can, you know, I have thematical connections and you can plant hooks in the hubs so that that are tied to each character's dark secret. So when you come to the house in Oakwood Heights on South Waring Street, there is in the, the house, description of the house, like Felicia Jenner, this is something that might happen. Yeah. Uh, Eden Kostroff, this might happen. So there are individual connections to, to the houses. So it's a lot of writing and rewriting and adding things and tweaking things and sort of giving the game master the tools. So when a player reaches this hub, there are things there to, to use. And, and you only need to make the central hubs because then the game master will improvise the rest. So if they stop at the gas station, uh, the game master will improvise the gas station hub and, and the, the gas station attendant and what happens there. And if that hub becomes really important because it's a fun place, then it will be more a permanent hub that you want to write down and describe. So I think that thinking about it as hubs and like what will they contain and how do we make them stand out from each other and how do we make them memorable? Is, is yeah. I think that definitely helps kind of organize the space uh, or the the paint that you're on that white canvas as you kind of fill in um, the areas around the hubs. And by the time you're done with it, it's kind of this full uh, canvas, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of the intrigue. And when you're crafting a campaign in Cult, then you are making an intrigue map with all the characters and locations. In the scenarios, we're not sort of painting it out, yeah. but it's still there. So it's... Mm -hmm. And, and, and I often make a mind map myself and sort of see like, ooh, is this connected in a good way or not? The, the last and seventh point is actually very short. Very short and very simple. And it's really to give an extra thought when you're crafting the ending of the scenario. Um, how, what are 
possible different outcomes. Of course, you're playing with a group of players that can go yeah. and do weird things. <laughs> I played with a group that never came to the ship when it was for heist. They never came to the ship. They stayed in the house the whole time. I'm like, oh my god. But give the game master different alternatives, like different possible endings. So the game master can read them and like, hmm, and then improvise from that. So those are the really the seven steps on, on building a scenario. And you don't work with them step by step. You do them mm-hmm. simultaneously and you go back to it. And I would also say that when the first draft is finished, it can be a skeleton. You should play test it because you will f- find out a lot of stuff when you're play testing it and make see that some scenes doesn't work. Some scenes should be, you know, moved around. And yeah. You want to add things, you want to change the location. And you can also let the player read it and give feedback. So, so I think that just because you have finished the first draft, the scenario isn't finished. You have finished one draft of it, and then you need to sort of work with it and test it. But then you have at least something to sort of test with. Yeah. How many drafts and uh, play tests did you go through before you abandoned Oakwood Heights? Probably um, six or seven drafts, I think. Um, some things changed a lot several times, but 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 it's and playtest I did quite a lot because we had the, ran it on a convention, so it's a lot yeah. of playtesting during that one. And uh, we also I tested it several times with ter- different groups, um, and 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 had different outcomes. Um, I also think one important thing when you get feedback is of course that. You, you you should listen to feedback, but you should also remember that the scenario is not for everyone. Yeah. Um, so so if you send someone Oakwood Heights and they feel like, oh, I don't like scenarios where sort of shy children are getting in trouble or hurt. Uh, I, can you change that? And that's like, oh, but that's sort of the central theme. Yeah, of the that's scenario. necessary. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and it's fine that they don't like it. And and if you don't like, for example. If you are yourself traumatized with bad family relationships, you don't probably might not want to play La Cena because it's like a really tough scenario with sort of a lot of sort of abuse under the surface and like mm-hmm. ah, really sweaty and, 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 and disgusting in many ways. So that just just to, to know that feedback should always look. It's so much about being true to the scenario. When you find the right story and you have the right ingredients for this perfect brew. Yeah, you you try to find the soul. That's this discovery. You you work with it to sort of find the soul of where that. What what will the scenario be? How can I perfect it before I abandon it? And if you're starting to make decision based on like, ooh, that person didn't like that. If everyone says like this is too far or this is wrong or this is feels bad or this is too long, then it probably is. But you should always need to sort of think like, who is this for? Yeah. And you always, always need to kill some darlings when you're writing a scenario. Even if you have like, oh, this scene is so good. Oh, it's such a good and creepy scene. I had one in Oakwood Heights when they come to the house and they discover a homeless woman in the, at, in the, in the wardrobe. Yeah. Crime scene reconstruction. And, and the scenes were really creepy because she's like, oh, no, the, the woman in the house told me I must stay here in the wardrobe. <laughs> And it was like, oh, creepy. But then it derailed the scenario. So like, oh, 
let's call a, a, a squad car to pick her up. And it's like, and it's Oakwood Heights has, has a really slow start as it is. So it's sort of, it was a cool scene. But yeah, like, need to cut it. So. Oh, I definitely see the as as awesome as the scene sounded. How like just as I've run it several times, how many of the players would have focused on that aspect and and never have made it past the house. No, no, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> kill the darlings. They're cool. Find the soul of the story and rewrite a lot of things and times and playtest playtest. You would find a lot of weird things when you're playtesting things. Well, thank you, uh, Peter, for a wonderful evening. Uh, and I hope everyone found this educational. And we, as always, look forward to seeing everyone's ideas uh, about scenarios, new things they want to check out. Uh, always look forward to, to seeing um, uh, fan content being created. Uh, yeah, and, and I should say that on the webpage, our homepage, cultdivinitylost.com, there is a lot of scenarios you can download for free. Just mm -hmm. download them and read them. And I think that they can be a really good way to see how you do it. And I'm not saying that this is the way you have to write scenarios. This is one way to write a scenario. It's sort of a template, but rules are meant to be broken. So, but at least you have some rules to, to go. <laughs> some guidance. Some guidance. Exactly. Go forth and write. Exactly. Let's see what you are creating. Some <laughs> mad creations.